0: Thank <laughs> you. Hello, High Flyers, and welcome to the Death Defying Human Flycast. I'm Max Romero, your host on this one-of-a-kind journey into the world of the superhero stuntman called the Human Fly. The wildest superhero ever? Because he was real. Today we're joined by a very special guest, network all-star and host of JLUcast, the Supermates Podcast, and the ever-popular annual event, the House of Frankenstein, Mr. Chris Franklin. Welcome to the show, Chris
1: hi max i'm on my evil knievel stunt cycle i'm sorry i don't have a i don't have a human fly stunt cycle because they never made one
0: so oh don't remind me well i just you're not doing it on carpet because man that never worked
1: no 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 he just like flip over and just immediately yeah but man you get him on a flat surface
0: the man could this thing could jump a house i mean seriously oh yeah oh. <laughs> well i'm pretty jealous i had one of those as a kid but it's long gone yeah, this is a
1: repro from the '90s, but I, my kids, you know, played with it. I, I played with it when I got it, and when I had kids, they played with it. And, and it's one of those toys when whenever the kids had friends over, they'd say, "Hey, come look at this old cool toy my dad's got." So, and they'd get it out and make ramps out of cardboard boxes and. Jump through yeah. the house, and yeah, it's a lot of fun, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, for, for a while there, that, that was, to me, that was what books were good for, you know, was making ramps. That's <laughs> <So>. right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think, you, you know, you and I grew up around the, around the same time, so it sounds like, obviously, you grew up in that whole Stuntman era, right? Evil, right. evil, Knievel, and Hooper, and uh, Smokey and the Bandit, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Hal Needham era,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was huge. And then you know, the Fall Guy, and and uh, even a little bit later, and and things like that. And of course, Dukes of Hazard on TV every week, and all the stunts going on in that. So yeah, it was it was just a huge part of being a kid in the seventies was in the seventies and early eighties was this stunt mania. And we, well, there's some yeah. other mania that comes into this particular <laughs> issue that we'll talk
0: about too, which is fun. Yeah. So with that in mind, how did this? How does the human fly hit you?
1: Oh, I mean, you know, it's it's funny because one, I really enjoyed this issue, but it, the human fly himself, I don't think. I'm trying to remember when I first learned about it because I I, I never saw the comic when I was a kid. I mean, I, I was buying comics at this time, but it was well, I was having comics bought for me. It was very sporadic. You know, I was I couldn't even read at this <laughs> at this time. It was pretty, <laughs> preschool era, but but I still, you know, my mom would buy me comics and read them to me and. But I don't remember, you know, I may may have seen ads for the Human Fly in some of the comics I had. But when I first heard about him, I was like, wait a minute, is that the guy that Spider-Man fought in the the yellow Mm -hmm. and the green, you know? Because he was, you know, and and then to make matters even more confusing, Archie revived the Fly in the Red Circle comic era, right? And the Mighty Crusaders and... And he was also yellow and green, which is like, OK, wait a minute, there, there's there's a fly and then there's a human fly at Marvel that's got like the reverse colors. But then there's another human fly. Who's mm-hmm. this guy? And then I figured out eventually who he was. But mostly what I've learned about it is through this podcast, which I've really enjoyed. So it's it's a it's a wonderful D.B. Cooper esque mystery of who is this human fly. And <laughs> right. so this is the first time that you've read the human fly. Yeah, this is the first issue I've read that you know, where I wasn't following you
0: and your guests along. Yes, this is my first mm-hmm. full full issue to to have read, yes. Right. Well I I know that you're familiar with Bill Mantlow, so where on the scale of Mantlowness does this hit? <laughs> does this land? <laughs> 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 well,
1: <laughs> He he takes a property that probably no other writer at Marvel wanted to tackle, and he does a dang good job of it. That's one thing. It's very Mantlo, right? It's mom, right. um, and it's just a shame that Migo was never or Parker Brothers or whoever was never involved in, in any Human Fly merchandise. But mm-hmm. but it's it's very Mantlo in that in the first few pages, it's like because he's the Human Fly over and over again, you know. It's, <laughs> which which I love. It's got that. I mean, you know, Matlow takes the Stan Lee hyperbole and says, Stan, hold my beer. You know, uh, <laughs> I can I can outstand Stan at this point, which which I mean, in all fairness, all the Marvel writers did. I mean, Marvel had right. a style and they all did it. And it every everybody, you know, the the, the prose is very, very purple. It's mm-hmm. like. Deep purple, you know, <laughs> and, 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 but it's deep purple. And, uh, you know, but, but every writer was doing that. I mean, at the time, but he, he knew how to write a Marvel comic. That's for sure.
0: Oh, he Mantlo certainly had a flair and I didn't realize it until later. you know, when we did the, the, the network, when we did that Mantlo show, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize how responsible Mantlo was for my idea of the Marvel of my youth. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really realize how many comics that I love that he wrote and just that sense of anything could happen at any time. Because, yeah. guys, as we all know, Mantlo didn't care about continuity. <laughs> he didn't care about any of that stuff. He just wanted <laughs> to tell a good story. And, uh, you know, and consistently, I think he he would do that. Yeah. I mean, you you never. Mantlo is in.
1: And I, I think other people have made this comparison. He's a more restrained version but he's kind of like the uh the marvel version of bob haney in some ways zany haney i mean it's like not quite as zany but he will take every Mm -hmm. every story is extremely entertaining in and of itself and he'll pull from some rather eclectic source material and some you know some locales and things like we see in this one that you like well Mm -hmm. who would expect the superhero story set in a you know, a, a coal mining community. You know, maybe right. maybe an episode of the Incredible Hulk TV show, but that's about it. You
0: know, <laughs> right? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. With, with all that in mind, are you a fan of this era of Marvel?
1: Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm I I am. You know, I I started. I had a lot of Spider Man comics from this era. Like I said, that for some reason I seem to have more spectacular Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, than Amazing at this time. I don't know why. And you know, a few Marvel team ups, which is where I met a lot of the characters. If it had Spider-Man on it, I wanted it. And uh, and in Captain America uh, back then, and I'm still those are still my two favorites, really. But um, yeah, this era and up and through the uh, the late '70s up through the early. 80s is kind of my prime Marvel era. I guess in some ways it's more or less the Jim Shooter era of Marvel right. is is kind of my bread and butter when I was really into it. Although I, I bought Captain America off and on, you know, for decades. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it's it's this is this is kind of what I think of when I think of Marvel is is this era. This and this comic fits right in.
0: You know, we've discussed it before. The the Human Fly only lasted 19 issues. But it seems like such a perfect fit for Marvel at this time.
1: Oh yeah, he, he does. I mean, he definitely. I mean, I think by the nature of the fact that you know he's a he's a human in a in a fancy costume, but he fits into the universe. It seems better than you know. I know they they did actually integrate the Micronauts, and they integrated mm-hmm. Rom, and of course Rom kind of fits in. But I, I think you know that the human fly. He definitely fits in, and honestly, if it wasn't for, even after his title was canceled, I mean, I could see, you know, rights issues aside, right. obviously they still had to, you know, pay uh, Rick Rochette or whoever it is that, you know, owned the fly copyright. Right. They had to pay them to, you know, keep it, to keep using it. But if they hadn't had to do that, I could see the human fly, like, becoming a supporting character. In another comic, kind of like the White Tiger did in uh, mm-hmm. in the Spectacular Spider-Man of this era, yeah, uh, I, I could see him being like the, the 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 hero, the the side hero, or something that that's uh, you know maybe maybe he is. Maybe because of his nature, I know Daredevil went in, obviously in a different direction during this era, but I could even see him being uh, maybe in, in Daredevil just because, hey, he's a Daredevil, let's put him in Daredevil, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the craziest idea Marvel ever did, that's for sure,
0: you know? No, and no, it's it also not the, the thinnest logic that could be used. So. Right, I
1: mean, they teamed up in a previous issue anyway, right? So right. there you
0: go. Yeah, you know, and, and since we already know that the human flight travels across the country regularly... You can meet with anybody. You can meet with the Hulk down in New Mexico or you know, or whoever. And uh and it would make sense.
1: If only the champions hadn't already broken up, he'd been perfect <laughs> for the champions, right? Or at uh, least as a defender occasionally, right? <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> you know, there should there should have been a book called that, The Occasional Defenders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Luke Cage, Daredevil, uh, who else is an occasional
0: defender? <laughs> That's actually a good um, a good segue into what we're going to talk about because this comic, this issue, takes place in Harlan County, Kentucky, and you are from Kentucky, right? Yes, you're I am. A hours, you're a few hours drive, I think, from from Harlan County.
1: Yeah, it's in southeastern Kentucky. I've never actually been there, but mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm sorry to say, guys, I haven't been there. I can't report on the actual authenticity of this comic.
0: Uh, but uh,
1: but it is we're it justified. is in kentucky
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we're justified you know that show was set in Harlan county also so
1: right exactly yeah and i and i hate to admit i have never watched that show i know that's awful what? and I, i've got a little cousin who was named is named Raylan after the oh. lead character and i don't uh i've never watched it and oddly enough he is Raylan. little Raylan is a huge Star Wars fan. So when Timothy Oliphant showed up on The Mandalorian, I'm sure his, you know, I bet his parents were like, hey, look, he might not." I'm sure he hasn't watched Justified because he's like seven or eight, right? So he hasn't watched
0: it yet. But at some point, they'll tell him, hey, you know, look. Right. Well, I certainly hope he hasn't watched it yet. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, as I've mentioned before, my parents took me to, oh, my God. My parents scarred me. Let's just say that. <laughs> <You> <laughs> know? I guess it, in some ways we should be glad it's not the 70s anymore.
1: Right. Well, you know, I've I've talked about how my parents didn't intentionally do it, but they they trusted the fact that the local video store would not rent us movies that we didn't need to be watching. And they were wrong. <laughs> Real wrong. Very wrong.
0: This is going to be a quick aside, but I love to tell this story. So we went to we went to uh, a video store once with my mom, who has a notoriously bad memory for remembering what she's watched, according okay. to the title. And so we were—we had been wandering around, and we were in line to, to rent our movies. And my mom was showing us what, what she got, and she had a movie called Working Girls. And I had to tell her, Working Girls is not the same as Working Girl. <laughs> 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 and the movie she was about to rent was not the sort of thing she probably wanted to take <laughs> home. But I had a moment of hesitation. I was almost like... We could have this in the house for at least one night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But then if you had to watch it with your mom, it wouldn't be worth it, right? (laughs) No,
0: no, thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so let's let's go to the summary. (laughs) Okay. So, yes, so this is the human fly number 10. And for anyone keeping track, that means we are about halfway through the human fly run at this point. Our writer is Bill Mantlo, as we just discussed. Pencils are by Lee Elias. Mike Esposito is the inker. Pete Iroh is the letterer. Colorist is Francois Mouly. Mm -hmm. And our editor is Archie Goodwin. This hit the stands on March 7th, 1978. And it could be yours for three dimes and a nickel. A bargain anywhere. That's right. The, uh, the comic opens with, of course, a splash page, and in this case, almost literally a splash page, because we have the human fly cannonballing off a high platform into a pool of water below. And this is all part of a benefit fair for the United Mine Workers of America, which is raising money to help the coal miners and their families. United Mine Workers of America is a real organization.
1: Mm-hmm, yes.
0: And still, uh, still active today. As the fly is plunging down to the ground... Uh, his assistants, Blaze, Ted, and Arnie, are, uh, of course, down below watching. And uh, the miners are watching with some spectacular sideburns. <laughs> 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 and, and, the, and the miners are basically saying, oh, I've seen this on Ed Sullivan. Or I saw a guy break his neck as he did this. And the fly splashes into the water and down to a spring-loaded platform hidden in the, in the pool. And as the miners are basically going, ah, what a bunch of hooey, and they're ready to walk off because they think he just splashed into the water, the human fly comes shooting out of the water and somehow back up to the platform where he does a handstand and ends up right back where he was. Thunderous cheers. Back in the uh, UMWA benefit office, we have old Joe Shields, and he is mad. He's talking to his union rep, Barney, who has been getting pretty cozy with Mr. Dukas, who is uh, the owner of the Sutter Mine where they work. Old Joe is pretty steamed because he just found out that his union rep, Barney, is working with the mine owner, Mr. Dukas, to get the mine closed before it can be inspected by federal inspectors and probably shut down mines everywhere or at least improve miner safety. Joe leaves the office. And Mr. Dukas sort of kind of gives some instructions to his big bruiser, uh, Mr. Maddox. The fly is being introduced on stage, but from the stage he can see uh, old Joe and Joe Jr. getting into the truck. Mm -hmm. And Maddox is following the two from the stage. The human fly can see a gun tucked into his back pocket and a whole lot of dynamite in the bed of that truck. Concerned about where, where this is headed... The fly gathers the gang and they get into their bus, which is (laughs) very Saturday morning looking, (laughs) and quickly are in pursuit. Old Joe and Joe Jr. are going through the mine and making a note of every safety violation, everything that is being done wrong so they can gather evidence in order to take this to the feds and get the mine. Well, Young Joe is thinking that they're trying to get the mine shut down, but Old Joe says, what they're really trying to do is change the men, make them angry enough that they can stand up and fight back. Maddox is hooking up TNT to a detonator and he's getting ready to pull to push the plunger down. But up comes the human fly van, which is a fun thing to say, and out leaps Ted out of the moving bus and right onto Maddox. Unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, Maddox is like made out of muscle and then more muscle on top of that. Ted and Maddox grapple, but soon enough, Maddox lands a right hook right on Ted, and pretty soon the whole gang is swarming on on Maddox, just trying to uh, bring him down. At the same time, the fly races into the mine to go get the two men that he knows are down there. Unfortunately, during the fight, Ted is knocked back and onto the detonator, and boom, the dynamite goes off. The mine collapses, and the fly is knocked out. Outside, the crew has to deal with a new threat, as Mr. Dukas and his gang are out there saying that this actually is what they, exactly what they wanted to happen, and now all they have to do is get rid of the witnesses. Back in the mine, the human fly wakes up and sees what he thinks is light to the outside, but actually it turns out to be the headlamps of old Joe and Joe Jr. Joe Jr. is pinned beneath some timbers that have fallen from the roof of the mine, and old Joe, unfortunately, looks like he's in shock. The fly says he's alive, but sinking fast. He tries to lift the timbers off of Joe Jr. so they can start trying to find a way out, but he cannot lift the debris off of the miner. Joe says that the fly should find his own way out, but the fly says, Old Joe won't last that long, son. It'll have to be all of us or none at all. Back outside, the crew is still being held at gunpoint by Dukas and his gang, but Blaze manages to turn on the CB radio because we all had CB radios in those days. So. <laughs> and, you know, another aside here, a surprising amount of people had CBs when I was a kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, so the whole conversation is being broadcast over CB, and the miners back at the fair hear this. At first they think it's just some sort of radio show, but then they realize that it's Mr. Ducas, and he is, he is threatening the Human Fly's crew. They uh, of course do not take kindly to this, and they say, "Get to your truck, boys!" And pretty soon, we got us a convoy. <laughs> the coal miners are racing to the to the coal mine to try and, and uh, help because they know that this is going to end in murder. The human fly in the back in the mine somehow cannot pit, cannot lift that timber, but he can roll a bo- He can roll a boulder, so he's rolling a boulder underneath one of the cross beams and climbs up to a high ledge. From there, the light from the headlamps lighting him dramatically, he leaps, and the timber goes flying off, just long enough for Joe Jr. to roll out of the way. Together, the fly and Joe Jr. lift old Joe up, and young Joe takes them to a small seam in the, in the cave that leads to a way out. It's a tight fit, but they manage to get old Joe in there, but there's a problem. As Joe Jr. goes in, he realizes that the tunnel has been flooded. It should only be for a few yards, but this means they're going to have to drag an unconscious man underwater. For the first time, we see a little bit of the human fly's face as he lifts the mask up, up to his mouth and he gives old Joe the kiss of life. Soon enough, they are out of the water and they make it and they can see their way out. Outside. The crew is still dealing. With, <laughs> this is a very slow motion threatening here. Uh, the crew is still <laughs> dealing with uh, with Mr. Dukas and his gang, while at the same time the miners arrive and they are out for blood. This is a great crowd scene here they have. They are armed with baseball bats, pipes, uh, pickaxe, and <laughs> who knows what else. And they uh, they do not look happy. Pretty soon, it's a full-on fight between Dukas' gang and the miners, and there's it is just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the miners are ready to dispense their own version of justice, but Arnie is the one who says, no, let the police handle this. One of the miners says very astutely, huh, his kind owned the police. At this point, they all think Joe Jr., Old Joe, and the human Fly are dead, but surprise, out pop those three on a ledge above them. And the human fly says, Dukas didn't kill anyone, though he did try, and he'll go to jail for that. So everyone manages to make it out of this alive. (laughs) And on top of that, the dynamite opened a new seam of coal for the coal miners to work. Everyone but Dukas and his gang (laughs) come out ahead on this. At the end, we get the gang embracing the fly and saying, you're a hero fly again. And the fly says, we all are teammates. Ted kicks himself a little bit for landing on a detonator, but that wasn't really his fault. <laughs> right?
1: I mean, the dude leaped out of a moving van on top of another guy who, like he, he like you said, he's like mad he, Maddox, the multiple man, because he's multiple <laughs> men like stacked on top of one another, right?
0: So. <laughs> right. know, Right. He I, mean, I mean, Ted needs to take it easy on himself here. This, yeah. This, you know, he, he he did his best. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and that's that wraps up the story. And I do have to mention that there are people like, being carried away <laughs> from the fight, which is right. Which tells you how brutal this was. And there's uh, a
1: guy in the upper left, in the upper uh, left corner of that last page, who's holding his eye like he's been, yes. like probably hit in the face with a ball bat or a pipe or something. It's it's like it whoa. Looks
0: rough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's how our story ends. So yeah, I mean, let's let's go ahead and get into this. This, I mean, and we'll start right here. This this fight, it's short, but man, it is brutal.
1: Yeah.
0: I you mean, know, you there, yeah. there are pipes swinging. There are someone you can see someone getting smacked with a baseball bat. Yeah, punches are being thrown. That man is laying on the ground, holding his his eye, his head. I, that's yeah. that is awful.
1: <laughs> Mr.
0: Dukas, just
1: he got his he got his. uh, I guess he's the one getting hit in the head with a bat because he's dropping his cane. He's he's you know he's getting his right. his pretty Tony Stark esque face smacked in. He looks like seventies Tony Stark,
0: you know. So. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and to, you know, to me, this is like it's a. I mean, I like I, I, I keep saying I grew up in the seventies, and to me, this is like a blow for the union. <laughs> you know, yeah,
1: I, I mean, you this know? is,
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm this totally is on that the working
1: side. man that that working man vibe that ran through so much seventies media, you know, TV mm-hmm. shows and movies. This is you know, Walking Tall and and Billy Jack, and right. you know, it's it's all that. It's it, it's it's got that vibe to it. Yeah,
0: it certainly does. And, and I and I have to say, this is probably. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are more modern versions now, but this is pretty violent for a, for a Bronze Age comic. I mean, people yeah. are like hurt. <laughs> you yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. This is almost as bad as that Super Friends page me and Rob talked about a couple months mm-hmm. ago, where they all those guys like shoot, lasso, grenade, and who they think is Bruce Wayne, but it's Superman in disguise. <laughs> but it's the most violent page in a
0: code approved DC comic ever, I think. So. Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, just just I'm just curious are unions still a thing in Kentucky?
1: well you know my dad he was a a member and the vice president for many years of the local u a w yeah oh. uh, he was uh yeah so this is this kind of connects a little bit with me he um he worked at a plant that made uh tubing for automobiles uh, pipes and tubing and and um you know they they had really crappy work conditions when he first started there mm-hmm. and uh they they unionized and um and he was, uh, you know, he was he was a very passionate union guy. I mean, he will admit, you know, sometimes unions, you know, they they sometimes go too far in some directions. But, <laughs> right, uh, right. So you know, they their initial intent is is good, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and to protect the workers and from the big corporate corporations who really just don't care <laughs> how right. they abuse them to get their way. And uh, so, yeah, I I think I think unions are still. I don't really know. I can't really say nowadays. I mean, I know there's. It doesn't seem to be as strong as it was. I mean, you know, mm. it's. I and I think not without getting into politics. I I think that's because a lot of the blue collar allegiance has shifted to
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Parties who favor tend to favor uh, rich people. Uh, I'll just <laughs> say that. Uh, <laughs> right.
0: Right. They, Agreed. They, they, woo them, right.
1: they woo them away from the ideas of unions. I think, and mm-hmm. I could be wrong, and they might be just as strong as they were, but it doesn't. There's several plants and factories. I mean I used to work I used to work for a company that had a factory. Um, you know, they it was a manufacturing company. I was the graphic designer for the company. I was a salaried employee. Mm-hmm. Uh but the uh, you know, they, there was uh, there was no union there. Uh there was there was talk of, of unions uh there a couple of times and it was really poo pooed upon and you know, um and it never it never gained any ground. But um and, and and some of that might also be that, you know, companies are smart enough to not, like, be really super transparent about being abusive to their employees. I don't know.
0: <laughs> right. right. Well, it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, now we see kind of a resurgence of that idea. You know, it's, of all places, Starbucks. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the individual Starbucks stores are starting to unionize more and more often. Yeah. uh you know i know the, the the folks at Walt who work for walmart have uh been talking about unionizing for a long time even though they walmart obviously makes that very difficult yeah. and uh yeah and like you i grew up with this i mean do you remember the i grew up singing the um union label song Mm. For the for the garment workers, I don't know if you remember that commercial. They, yeah, they used to yeah, you know work. You know, look for the union label, all that yep. stuff. Me and my sister used to run around the house singing that. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, unions unions were a thing. They, they were they were a definite part of labor. You know, in yes. in America, for people who say the comics are not political, I give you the human fly number ten.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: Things. This. Yeah.
1: They even name drop the John L. Lewis, who was the mm-hmm. the president of the, the UMWa for like what for forty years from like nineteen twenty right. to nineteen sixty or something.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Even the name of this, uh, the title of this of this comic on you know on the cover is "It's Dark as a Dungeon Down in the Mine." Yep. That's you know that's a reference to the nineteen forty six song "Dark as a Dungeon" by Merle yep. Travis. Merle Travis. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and and you know, some people might might be more familiar with it because Johnny Cash sang it as uh, part of his At Folsom Prison live album. Yes, uh, but yeah, but this this song has been around for a long time, and it's and it's about the same thing about uh, the danger and the the uh, strain of living as a as a coal miner.
1: Yes, yeah, you and know? you know, in coal mining here in Kentucky's you know, of course, it's a little controversial because. Um, you know, nowadays, a lot of people are like, you know, coal keeps, there's bumper stickers, coal keeps the lights on and things mm-hmm. like that. But then of course there's the environmental impacts of coal. And, uh, right. so, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of one of those, it's, it's another one of those things, not quite as, you know, like when I was a kid in my area, tobacco was huge. I mean, everybody grew oh, tobacco, my, my family did, you know, they took everybody farmed tobacco, at least on the side, if that wasn't your, your main, mm-hmm. your main source of income, but then, you know, once the, once it was like came out, you know, eventually sunk in that, oh, cigarettes are bad for you. Uh, you, know, that,
0: yeah. That, yeah. Um,
1: Oops. you know, that, that yeah. was a big shift around here, you know, and it, it's kind of, uh, you know, a lot of farmers had to, uh, you know, shift to other crops. And, and um, honestly, a lot of people just got out of farming in this area, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. uh, so it's, it's kind of, I, I think coal, maybe not quite into that because i'm not quite in the coal region here so i don't know it i don't you know it, it doesn't affect me directly really but i mean right. i do i do see it there's you know big push friends of coal and and sure. stuff like that so there's an effort to keep to kind of uh, paint coal mining as like it's not so bad you know that's you know? <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> right. I,
1: I don't know where exactly i fall on you know i mean it's it obviously employs a lot of people and sure it is the source of energy so you know it, it's it's just one of those it's one of those cases where I think, you know, just our, our ideas of it are, are kind of changing and evolving as it goes on. And, of course, there's those who don't want them to change and evolve and steadfastly protect, try to protect it um, the way they the tradition, you know, of, of it and everything. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of interesting. But you, you brought up Merle Travis. Uh, when I when I saw the title of this, I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. Because um, my dad, I brought my dad, he is a huge Merle Travis fan. That's one oh, of his really? heroes he's a my dad's a, a finger uh picker Yeah, you know, he's oh, wow. a guitarist yeah. that uh, picks finger style like merle travis and chet atkins oh, wow. and uh yeah. so i grew up with merle travis you know uh the, you know i i even drew a picture of merle travis for my dad for his birthday one year so really <laughs> that he's oh, got wow. hanging up on his wall yeah him and him and chet atkins together oh, um wow. i gave it to him as a gift one year yeah. so um he's a huge fan and of course i'm a big johnny cash fan so yeah <laughs> as soon as i Saw this title, I'm like, oh, this is cool, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting how much is packed into this comic, actually. You yeah, know, and you, you can see that Matlow really did some research on this. So, do you do you play?
1: No, unfortunately, I'm I am the black sheep of the <laughs> family. The, the quote the uh, John Anderson song, uh, but no, uh, <laughs> no, I I took up my mom. She liked to draw, and uh mm-hmm. I, I took that up instead um uh, you know me and my sister are both uh musical disappointments in that regard, which is' <laughs> my dad and all of his brothers and his nephews all they all played and they played in a you know band and wow uh, played around here locally and and uh yeah they they uh you know played some bluegrass and stuff my dad actually yeah. he likes bluegrass and stuff, but he's definitely he likes that more merle travis chet atkins type sure. you know more yeah, intricate yeah. more intricate playing and jerry reed which jerry reed will kind of yeah. come up in this discussion you know how so can what, he not yeah how can he not when we're talking about cbs and convoys right <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah 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 he uh he kind of leaned toward that but there weren't a whole lot of other people playing that stuff around here so <laughs> mm. he mostly played that at home <laughs> wow that's interesting
0: that's, that's really that's really interesting Because, you you know, it's obviously I mean, it it happens everywhere. It happens, you know, here in Texas and it happens in uh, Illinois, where I just moved from, you know, but you you tend to forget that, you know, a state is it's not uniform, you know, it has its regions and it has its uh, traditions and it has its industries and all that kind of affects, you know, the people who live there.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting when they show the band on the bandstand. At first, I see a guy holding a jug, and I'm like, Are they trying to say the guy's <laughs> drinking moonshine? But then I'm like, No, wait a minute, he's playing the jug in the bluegrass band.
0: He's playing uh, the jug. Yeah. yeah,
1: which is also a little stereotypical, but that's sure. okay. You know, <laughs> it always makes me think of. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Andy Griffith show, and when the mm-hmm. the Darlins, the you know, the hillbilly family comes down from the mountains, <laughs> and uh, Denver Pyle, who played Uncle Jesse on the Dukes of Hazzard, he's he's the mm-hmm. father and the other boys are actually bluegrass very accomplished musicians the the dillards uh they were they were really big in bluegrass and country folk and country rock and yeah. and uh they all were really real real musicians which is one reason why they just acted like they were knots on the log in in that show because uh i think they were just friends with andy griffith because he played too but but uh denver Pyle would uh He just blow in that jug. That was his instrument, right? So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's it's a instrument we can all play. You know, I looked a little bit into this. You know, I was looking into the United Mine Workers of America and all that, and this story seems. I'm I'm willing to bet that it was that Mantle was inspired by at the time a very recent strike organized by the uh, UMWa. On December sixth, nineteen seventy-seven, and lasted one hundred and ten days. Oh wow! And it actually ended on March nineteenth, nineteen seventy-eight. So this uh, this comic actually came out a couple of weeks before a hundred and ten-day coal strike ended, which oh. is to me just amazing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> comics. Why are they putting politics in modern comics? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. can you can't get more they on the get nose that than the that. Best
0: yeah no no never
1: <laughs> you talk about topical like straight i mean they could have put they, they i'm surprised they didn't put a blurb on the cover straight from today's headlines you know?
0: <laughs> they, man they could have I mean, they, they, they probably did time magazine to this yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> man. Uh, so, so what did you think of the story
1: I you know I thought it was I thought it was really I, I thought it was a great story. I I I really like the fact what I really appreciated about this cuz when you told me that it was set in Kentucky I'm like oh boy here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. everybody's going to talk like this you know <laughs> the whole thing. uh but uh somebody probably somebody listening to this probably is probably like did Chris just change his voice I don't hear any difference but uh, <laughs> but anyway uh
0: Wait, was
1: that supposed to be a voice what was that? was that was that a voice I thought that was your regular voice uh <laughs> No, it. it, But no, I I really like the fact that that every like the locals are treated with respect. They are they. It has that local flavor, but they're they're they seem very intelligent, very compassionate. Um, old old Joe, I love I love the way Lee Elias draws old Joe. He looks like I mean he looks like a hundred guys I've known. I mean he he literally. Mm -hmm. I mean he's he looks like he might be missing a teeth a tooth or two or something. (laughs) You know just. He looks like a real old man, and I and I I don't know why old Joe isn't retired as old as he looks, honestly. But right. uh, maybe he can't afford to. Uh, but right. uh, it's it, it, he he looks he looks great, and I I just yeah I, I like the fact that old Joe and old Joe's a smart guy. I mean he's he's got it. You know he's like well if we can you know if we can get this we can record what's wrong with this mine, then we can prove that Dukas is just trying to shut it down before. They come in and, and regulate his other mines, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that's that's what he's you know, that's what he's trying to do. He said, he knows this mine is is it's going to get his whole operation shut down and he doesn't he doesn't want to spend the money to make the changes that he needs to make to keep it safe. So he's going to, you know, kick all these guys out of a job and 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 and, and resort to murder if he has right. to. Which right. is like, wow, OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a little, but, little uh, homicide. Yeah yeah he's a little homicidal there, and sos Maddox he definitely doesn't seem to have a, oh. a problem with it, obviously yeah. but uh yeah I, you know, I thought it was a tight little story and i and I couldn't help you know it it does remind me I could definitely see David Banner walking into the middle of the storyline mm-hmm. and the Hulk getting these guys out of a mine and the,
0: yeah. in, in the
1: <laughs> on the whole TV show in the seventies, so
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe not with the the same flair, but I mean, yeah, definitely.
1: Maybe, yeah, the, I you could see I could see Lou Ferrigno. I don't know if the Hulk's smart enough to figure out the leverage thing, but I could see him leaping down on that beam and right. freeing the guy. You know, the, freeing Young Joe. So, mm-hmm. I, and I like the way they set up. You know, this of course, this is just good writing, but Mantlo sets up the whole, you know, the the catapult thing with the 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 pool at the. Right. At the beginning, and then he turns around and basically uses the same thing to save them later, which is, you know, that's just that's just good storytelling, good foreshadowing and calls back to the beginning of the story. And it's just a tight little tale. And I'll tell you, I mean, we can get into this more, but we talked about those 70s kind of grindhouse southern hero against the man movies. Mm -hmm. This would have made a good grindhouse human fly movie
0: (laughs) for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it <laughs> really drives huge
1: at drive-ins, right? <laughs> You're
0: right. Yeah, <clears throat> and like you said, you know, this is just this is just good writing. As you said, it's tight. Everything is set up. Everything makes sense. The heroics that the that the human fly is set up for make complete sense because you know we know that there is an inherent danger in mining, and especially if some if some you know knucklehead decides to blow up a case of dynamite at, at the mouth of a cave you know that's probably going to have some serious repercussions and um I love old Joe like you like you mentioned he is a great character and I would say that he is a perfect personification of I think what the point of the human fly is the the whole you know the whole point of the human fly is to show that regular people can be and are heroes in their own lives the human fly does these on the spot heroics and he does save, you know, Joe's life and he rescues the, the him and his son from the mine. But Joe old Joe is trying to save lives in his own way by trying to save the livelihood of his community. And he's very passionate about that. He's extremely intelligent. And when he finds out that Barney, the, uh, the union rep is working with uh, Mr. Dukas, you can you can feel that fury coming off the page. <laughs> you know he just he is just so mad and so betrayed. And on uh, on like you mentioned on page seven, there's like a, a, a kind of like just a close up a portrait of of uh, Joe's face, and that is just a a beautiful a beautifully drawn panel because you can just see the anger on him. You can see his age, and you can see how um, you know, this man has lived a life and he still has plenty of spark left in him. And I, I think that is just fantastic.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it, it, he, Lee Elias does, I mean, I've, I've, I liked his work. I, I think I first saw his work in a reprint of the, the, a green arrow story that, that uh, told Speedy's origin that was in one of the DC digests, one mm-hmm. of the secret origins digests. Um, uh and I, I liked it back then i just i really like i really like his you know it's it's got a little bit of that uh uh milton caniff and and frank robbins but it's a little more you know uh, it's a little more comic superhero style it's a little more polished like you know the right. the uh the, the, the you know the marvel house style a little bit but it, it's it's got It's it's he's he's great at the the faces everybody I mean Maddox looks like I mean the the man's chin is just like an (laughs) anvil
0: you know I mean yeah on that on that same page you see Maddox in profile and it is just like a flat surface (laughs) yeah it's just like a wedge
1: yeah yeah I mean I love the faces I love I love the way you know the human fly like just you know there's a little bit of that that twisted frank robbins anatomy here and there like it but he's like the one page where he gets knocked into the mind he's got like the thighs on this man my god I mean, he <laughs> man looks at those thighs and like man i, I need to go work out i do, I need to work on leg day more you know that's just
0: i mean wow he's he yeah
1: he's got, cut. A, <laughs> he's got a couple
0: of hemlocks there yeah he's he's he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and it, that's you know, and I, I, I think I've mentioned it before, but I love the way Lee Elias draws him because the he is not only muscular. I mean, and not you know, and, and we've talked, but he's also, uh, you can tell that this is an athlete's body and not necessarily that you know that big muscle bound body like Maddox. You know, yeah. you can see see the difference in the body type. Yeah, I just love the way Lee Elias draws the fly. Yeah, because he's, you know, he's,
1: he's coiled. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. You know, and I, I like to give credit where credit is due. And Siskoid had mentioned uh, he brought up a, a term called ragdolling. And mm-hmm. on page six, on the same page where where the human fly is knocked out by the dynamite, there's a panel where he's thrown back, and you can kind of see that. You know, his legs are splaying around, his arms are are windmilling. And yeah, you know, and I think that's what you're talking about. You can see those, <laughs> those thighs, you know, yeah. that, that, cut, and, uh, you know, it's, it's you believe that this unpowered person could be doing these things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It conveys really conveys the concussion of that blast that he's mm-hmm. getting slung in so many different directions all at once. And, and he's blown, and that he's blown free from the actual collapse of the, the opening. But you know, right. it, it, it totally makes sense. And I, I I love the scene of of uh, of Ted jumping out of the 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 bus, the band. Yeah. It, it and and I man, I gotta tell you, there's seeing that with the human fly on the side. You said it looked like a Saturday morning cartoon, and it and it does. I mean, it it looks like like the Clue Club or something ought to be driving that, or you know, <laughs> but, right. uh, but 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 uh, you know, one of those knockoff Scooby Doo's that Hanna Barbera knocked themselves off. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> so it looks like, but but it, it's uh, it makes me really wish that. Marvel, you know, Marvel had a license. Well, they, the, actually, this could have worked in, in, in multiple different directions, but um, they had a license with uh, Mattel and Hot Wheels at the time, and they made a couple of little vans that you could look in the back of the van and then right. see a scene in them, right? Like, they had little holes in the back, and there was like a little, like a little scene, like a, a image inside. You could see how cool would a human fly uh, van have been. <laughs> and then there's an that image of lovely. the human fly and the, the crew inside, you know. Uh, or yeah. Remco. Remco, was making those helicopters and vans that you could <clears throat> use with your Mego figures, even though you know they right. uh, they didn't make figures for them. But they uh, they made a Spider Man van, a Batman van, a Hulk van, which makes absolutely no sense. I, a human fly van <laughs> would have been cool. Of course, you wouldn't have had it. You'd had to have somebody else make the action figure, but still,
0: <laughs> right? Oh man, but I mean, there's oh you know, and I, I'm I'm assuming it's licensing issues that killed the that killed this series but there were so many marketing opportunities here i know <laughs> I mean, so, so many toys that could have been done you know like yeah. like your like your evil can evil you know yeah. that that that's a that's a gimme right there
1: yeah i mean you know it's yeah exactly some other and i'm honestly I'm honestly kind of surprised with the popularity of the evil the Evil Knievel toys that some other toy company didn't try to come up with a Me Too and, and say, Well, we got the human fly, so you've right. got Evil Knievel, but here's another name that people know, you know, it's they've seen him on T V too. So it's a yeah. missed opportunity. And it might and it might partially be that the fly was kind of his star was rising when Evil Knievel was taking a ball bat to people, you know, so yeah. <laughs> That is
0: true. That is true.
1: And losing his licenses. <laughs>
0: You know, I also really liked uh, the panel early in the story on, on page two, where we get kind of like a time lapse of the fly hitting the water and then landing on that platform. Yeah, I thought that was that was really kind of interesting because it's, um, you know, he's not doing a flip or anything. He's, he's acting like you would, like a person would act when they hit the water. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and also I, I don't know if Mantlow consulted with someone or if he just watched a lot of uh, stunt stuff or what, but this stunt would blow my mind if I saw this in real life.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, it, it almost, it something about it reminds me of like something Mr. Miracle would do, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of got that, you know, it's not really an escape. I, I mean, I guess it kind of is in some ways, but it, it, it's where it's got the, you know, the mechanism inside to, you know, right. just, wow the crowd it it just it kind of reminded me of that it's and um it yeah it, it's it's really it's really well done and the only thing that i think is kind of funny is the conversation that the miners have while this is all going on i don't know how they had this much conversation while he was in the <laughs> in the tank and before he sprung up you know but
0: <laughs> yeah it only, i was it could only be a couple of seconds and they were like already like eh, i'm bored <laughs> yeah ready to, ready, ready to walk I, away
1: I done ate me a funnel cake and had popcorn, and he ain't come out yet, so, oh, well, he just shot up in the sky, you know?
0: (laughs) I kind of like how, in any other story, and, you know, again, this is Mantlo and his, how good a writer he is, it would almost seem like it happens too fast, how that, this escalates very quickly, (laughs) you know, from a, from a disagreement in a, in a trailer to a guy with a gun taking off with a truckload of TNT. But it makes sense because, you know, you, you do get the sense that this has been happening for a while. This has been building to this moment, and we're just seeing the climax.
1: Definitely. You get the, you get the idea that it can happen there because, you know, Dukas has shown up to, you know, say, hey, I'm your friend, you know, uh, you know, enjoy enjoy the fair, and yeah, I'm here to represent the company, and and you know, the rep's there because he's representing the union, even though he's really representing Dukas. So it makes sense that everybody's there, and Old Joe's like probably been thinking about this for a while. I'm going to confront them because I know they're mm-hmm. all going to be together at this benefit, and this is where I'm going to get them. You know, right? And so it it does make sense, and you kind of wonder maybe Ducas kind of thought that that might happen and he's already kind of mentioned to Maddox before, well, you know, I might need your services, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it all makes, it does, it makes sense. Yes, it, it, the fly is very observant, I will say that, that he,
0: yeah. <laughs> he
1: noticed he noticed <laughs> yeah. the pistol in Maddox's pocket from uh, a distance, you know, yeah, that far away but, you know, he's, you know, obviously he's got to be, but somebody in his line of work would have to be very observant, you know, you have to make sure mm-hmm. that you're properly shackled to an airplane that you're standing on as it's flying through the sky and things like, right. The real human fly even would have to be that way. So
0: it it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No. And I, I think, you know, and this kind of gets back to what I was saying about old Joe being one of the heroes of this, of this story, because he must have known how dangerous this was to confront these guys. I mean, I'm sure this is not the first time that they've, you know, they've gone heavy in terms of dealing with the, with the coal miners mm-hmm. and to be able to go into that office and basically let them have it, <laughs> you know, while, you know, man, mountain Maddox is standing there and, you know, and, and probably knowing what Dukas is capable of. That's, that's a big thing. I mean, yeah, it takes, it takes some cojones, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and then that, that also goes to how, you know, it's a really interesting story with a, with a surprising amount to think about. Uh, it, it fits, yeah, yeah, you know it, it's great, and it's got it's got great action, dynamite's going off, and people are in, trapped in a mine, and the human fly is like jumping off things, <laughs> and, and you know, and let's not ignore the 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 fly and all this. I love that his solution to a problem is to do a stunt. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> you know? and, and and that is just so fitting for this comic and for this character. And, I, I, you know, and I, I'm always going on, oh, I love this, I love that. Uh, but th- that is really one of the things that I find just uh, so uh, appealing and endearing about this character. Is that he's always trying to help. And he's always trying to do it, like, in the most spectacular fashion <laughs> that, he, that he can. <laughs> and, you know, but it kind of makes sense. This is his job and this is the way he thinks. Yeah. So... Yeah, and it, it's it's great, you know, and he is, you know, he runs into the mine, he he breathes into old Joe's uh, mouth underwater to keep him alive, and just, this is just great, street level, good guy heroics.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, and, and it fits in with, and I know one thing you've talked about on this show is that, you know, he doesn't consider himself a traditional, he doesn't consider himself a superhero, so he's not yeah. interested in getting in a fist fight with uh, Maddox. He's more interested in rescuing the men. He'll let he'll let uh, Ned fight that battle, uh, but he's not gonna he's not gonna you know that that doesn't interest him like you know punching out the bad guy. You know that's not what he's about, Uh, and I I like that. You know he he's about these guys are in trouble. I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to do what I can to help them. And uh, and you know at the time he doesn't know that the mine's going to obviously going to blow and that he's going to his friend's going (laughs) to fall into the plunger. And I like the fact that I said, I said, Ned, I meant Ted. Um, Mm -hmm. I I like the fact that he uh, he uses science, basically uses his stunt skills. He's also using the basic science of leverage, you know, Mm -hmm. to 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 free them, which I mean, they don't really call that out, but they could. And that that kind of reminds me of, you know, some of the things like the uh, the 70s Shazam TV series, you know, Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel would often, you know, they, you know, have a little lesson there or a little 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 lesson about science or you know this this actually would have worked in that for a shazam episode too if they'd centered it around maybe the son of a miner or something like that right like well my dad's going to lose his job if i don't go you know uh don't go record all these things wrong with the mine and then they get trapped in the mine and captain marvel has to save them i could see that this working for that show too you know so (laughs) oh yeah no perfectly yeah
0: this is these stories and this story in particular are, are very good examples of what comics and superhero stories were like at this time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, I know a lot of people think, oh, old man shouting at the cloud. But, <laughs> but you know, this, this is the sort of thing I miss about modern comics. Yeah. This is, this is why I enjoy talking about these older comics, because they're, they're still out there in some way. And if you want to look for them and, you know, they're, they're full of good stuff. Yeah. Stuff and and things that wouldn't necessarily fly today. Not, not, no pun intended, but the um, you know I mean yeah this is a, a very political issue, and you know, <laughs> you know there's politics and science and all sorts of things <laughs> going on for a comic that is oh my god what forty something years old at this point it is it's kind of refreshing.
1: Yeah, it, you know? it is. It it and and I think that I think what this comic has that in a lot of ways comics has lost. It, it is it's that human interest angle you know mm-hmm. it's it's like the, the 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 characters brush with the common the common folk the common man and and their problems that are problems in the real world mm-hmm. uh you know marvel wasn't always concerned with that i mean that oh, the, no. the heroes had real world problems like girlfriends and jobs and things like that and arguing and bickering back and forth but you know, this series and, and, and other media of the time, like the Incredible Hulk show and things like that, they they, they were focused more on when the, the human, the common human drama meets up with the extraordinary in the case of these characters. Uh, and now it's just it seems like it's almost exclusively, it's just all the extraordinary stuff, you know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 <laughs> and when everything's extraordinary, nothing is kind of like <laughs> to paraphrase yeah. uh, syndrome and the Incredibles, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and you never, you never see just regular people. No. And, and uh, the human flight is all about regular people. Yes. Every, every issue is about what's happening to someone somewhere you know and the the human fly and and the crew this, this is i i thought this was finally a nice uh little showcase for the crew because everyone's kind of involved blaze is the one who actually you know is thinking on her feet and getting the cb going and you know so that so the miners can come and rescue or help them ted is the one leaping from a moving bus for god's sake <laughs> you know at a at a guy messing with with dynamite And, you know, and all three of them just kind of pile on him, uh, you know, to, as, uh, as you mentioned, you know, as the fly literally runs past that, that guy in order to go save the miners. And that, that is just, um, you know, I love that. That is a nice way to characterize these characters without being really overt about it.
1: And and I like the fact you know I mean I, I know it is it's it's we we joked because it's it's very much the convoy it's 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 a more dire version of the moment smoking the bandit when uh, bandit calls to the teenagers hanging out at the local hangout and asks them to block the you know block the road for him uh, you know and they all jump in their cars and take off it kind of it reminded me of that you know <laughs> <laughs> right but but, uh, but yeah you know these guys they they their friends are in trouble and and they they they've been impressed with the human. Fly and his crew, and they're going to jump in and save them. Now, now, yeah, dude, maybe they take things a little extreme, but you know, like, but the guys were also armed that they started assaulting too. So we got to remember that they didn't just walk right. up on a bunch of people that they had guns and they had weapons in their hands. So, uh, <laughs> right. but, but yeah, I mean, you, they characterized you know these these people as uh the the miners themselves as as being good people who don't want to see other people get hurt and they're they they're going to do something they're not going to sit along the sidelines uh they get involved and uh i i think that's admirable that they they portray them that way again that's another mm-hmm. thing i was really relieved uh that matt lowe didn't you know steer into the mm-hmm. stereotypes he he let the the region flavor the story but he didn't you know he didn't slide into making everybody a, a hill jack you know that right.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's and i again leo Elias, i think did a great job uh with this comic everyone looks great the the inking is really good you know there's a lot of shadows especially in uh, in the mind scenes and i i really really enjoyed um muli's colors those in particular, because there, there's a lot of things. going, you know, you're outside, then you're in a cave, then you're underwater, and all of that. I thought was done very well.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I loved. We didn't really talk about the cover, but the cover. I don't know if uh, Francois did the did the cover the colors on the cover, but the colors on the cover are just beautiful. I mean, they're very muted. They they look like they look like what it looks like when you're underwater. I mean, you know, it's it, it really yeah. sells that, and it it sells the danger. And I mean, the covers by Dave Cockrum. So of course, the covers right. gorgeous. and I like the the three dimensional feel, the forced perspective he uses, and the fact that the fly's right hands over the Y and his mm-hmm. in his logo. Uh, it looks like he's he's swimming. He's going to swim right past you. Uh, looking at the cover, it's it's yeah. it's gorgeous. But yeah, the the the, the coloring inside is very moody and uh it, it it really sells that you know the that they're in the depths and in the mine and when they're underwater that looks great. And I, I was gonna ask you if that was the first time that we've saw any part of his face and I guess it was, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the first time that we have seen because even in the um in the flashback scenes in the first issue when he's talking about being in the hospital, he is wrapped up like <laughs> he's he's he is the invisible man. Yeah and uh, yeah so this is this is actually the first time that we have seen anything other than his eyes yeah mm, gotcha
1: yeah it's it's interesting you know it's it's kind of like uh, it was like when you were reading GI Joe comics as a kid and they give you a little glimpse of Snake Eyes face you're like oh <laughs> 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 you know,
0: <it's> just, <laughs> right I'm not gonna it it was our comic book you know preteen version of of porn probably like <laughs> I, I saw an ankle yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, everything in in this comic in, in particular is kind of hitting on all cylinders. You know, the the drawing is great, all the faces are wonderful, everyone's distinct, the coloring is great. You know, if if I had to hand someone a an issue of Human Fly, it might be this one. Oh wow. Yeah. Because just just because there's so much going on. Uh, and you kind of get a real sense of who, who the Human Fly is and what he does. You get a nice balance between action from him and action from other people. Uh, you get the crew is involved. Um, it's just, you know, it looks nice. It's well written. It, this is uh, a particularly good issue of the Human Fly, I think. Well,
1: that's you know, I, I've you know, I've enjoyed your coverage of all of them, but I, I can't argue with you there. From what I've just. Uh, Having followed your, you know, your your coverage of them and, and the pages you put on uh, in the gallery, I have to say that this one this one seemed like a standout to me, too. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad I got this one. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it's good. No, it's good stuff. And yeah. So the um, was there anything else that you wanted to to say about this issue in particular?
1: Oh, well, you know, I, I just, of course, we, we talked about the, the CB, you know, the, the fact that they, that, that uh, Blaze turns on the, the CB radio and the, the crowd picks up on it. Of course, mm-hmm. that, this was the era of the, you know, of the CB, I mean, smoking the Bandit had come out right. and been huge. The second biggest movie of 1977 after something I never heard of called Star Wars. Uh, yes, you know, so <laughs> I think mean, you know, and and you had the convoy song, and then there was a mm-hmm. convoy. There's a movie, and I mean, there's you know, yeah. and, and pretty soon we'll have BJ and the Bear on TV, and, right? And, and,
0: yeah. and then
1: the Dukes of Hazzard, Of course, they are always using CBs to talk, and um, in the next year, and 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 so yeah, it it's just this is just a huge part, and and I'm I'm like you, everybody, you know. A lot of people had CBs. I, I, we had a neighbor up the uh, up the street from us who had a CB that would cut in on our TV all the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be watching TV and you'd all of a sudden hear Bill up the street going, "Hey, what are you doing after day?" Oh, what, you know, I was just like, oh, God." And my dad would have to go up there and like, "Bill, you need to change your channel or something to come in on our TV," you
0: know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I don't think people understand how big that. That was, I thought, you know, I mean, there were, I remember advertisements for, for uh, telling people to basically put a CB in their station wagons. Yeah, And, you know, and when I was going to elementary school, we had, um, I don't know if you ever had RIF, uh, the Reading is Fundamental program. Yeah. And uh, a book that I got from there was a dictionary of, of CB lingo. <laughs> so i had i had i don't have it anymore which is i kick myself for it. but i had a book that had all the phrases and all the the uh, i don't want to call them cold words because they weren't cold words but all the lingo that the that uh, cb users would use man and i just loved that book <laughs> i love that whole that whole uh kind of subculture but damn it where's where where was the human flag treasury
1: come on oh my gosh can you imagine i mean that would have been Imagine if they done if he'd done some big stunt somewhere and they they actually uh, oh, yeah. you know tied into that stunt that would have been that would have been cool yeah, uh, you know and why did not did. why didn't he have a toy rocket cycle i mean evil Knievel had one that he tried to jump mm-hmm. snake river canyon right so why didn't they make why? one of him
0: yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> neither one of them made it so
1: <laughs> that's, the that's right what's the big deal the only person in this era that could ride a successfully ride a rocket cycle was flash gordon uh, because we, <laughs> Flash Gordon is approaching on
0: a rocket, rocket cycle, flying blind on a rocket cycle. Yeah. So you know, let me uh, because that's actually uh, an interesting idea because you know a lot of people, some people love the pulpy uh, aspect of of Flash Gordon of the movie, which you know is obviously what we're quoting, and uh, some people hate it. But do you think? I mean, in this, you know, the human fly can be kind of pulpy and, and definitely. A little silly and and all that, which is fine. It's comics. Do you think that there is any place for a version of the human fly in Marvel comics today?
1: You know, I I, I think definitely there. Maybe even more so than in the comics. I definitely think there could be some place for him in the MCU. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, like a you know as a as a character like um you know on a Disney Plus series, or, or you know, even if he's not the main character. I know there's there's talk now of them doing, like, a Wonder Man Mar- uh, Disney Plus series, um, and, you know, I, I'm assuming that will involve him being in Hollywood, and they kind of hinted at that in in previous movies, that they were going to have uh, um, Nathan Fillion play, you know, Simon Williams or whatever, and I don't know if they're going to end up doing that, but, but really? you know, I, I could see him be, um, you know, b- they they've done they've done so many different type of stories uh, different mm-hmm. type of characters uh moon knight and 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 miss marvel particularly breaking any kind of mold that they had mm. um you know i you know i could i definitely could see like the human fly being this maybe slowly introduced character that's like oh, they mention him like oh well there's the human flys on uh, he's on tv in the background or there's somebody reading about did you hear about this guy that like jump this rocket cycle over all these buses the other
0: day, you right. know, or,
1: and, and, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's, you know, even if they used him as like, uh, you know, maybe, and maybe you, you probably wouldn't want to see him used this way, but if they used him as like somebody that was just, you know, like literally in that world where superheroes are real and accepted and, you know, people got snapped and things like that, yeah. this, this guy's, this is his gimmick, you know, to, to be play the superhero and, right. Get Fame and fortune, you know, uh, which I know yeah, isn't like, what the yeah. the fly was really about, but or the comic book version anyway. Right. Uh, but uh, he was more altruistic, obviously. But I think they could do something really interesting with that, and and, and even weave him into the different background of the different series and movies until he mm-hmm. <laughs> actually showed up yeah. or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and like what what you're saying with the, with Wonder Man, you can, they could have a group of stuntmen, uh, you know, standing around talking about, yeah. Oh, did you see what that what that guy did? Hey, who, who do you think that is? And you know, well, he reminds me of so and so, but not really. And, You know, that's yeah. I mean, that's that would be a re- <laughs> that would be a really fun Easter egg for for. Uh, for the mcu to just start dropping into things
1: yeah it would yeah I, I mean i'm sure they'd have to whoever's got the rights nowadays to it would have to clear they'd have to clear that and it, where disney doesn't own it they probably wouldn't want to do it but it, it would be fun mm-hmm. if they did
0: yeah <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to say about uh, this issue of the human fly or or the human fly in general
1: i just i just really enjoyed this issue and uh, i've enjoyed your coverage of the series i I haven't Perfect. found any back issues of it. I've been looking when I've looked through back issue bins and I would definitely pick up any issue of the Human Fly that I found at this point. I I'd love to have the whole run. Of course it's not very not very long run and it probably wouldn't be very hard to it wouldn't be very hard financially to put it together if I can just find them. Mm-hmm. Of course I could right. go out online and get them but I I like looking through back issue bins still, you know. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, me too. Me too in the, in the, the same way.
1: I like, I I've really I you know I've I've taken to this character because of your coverage and and, and just the, the, the history, the fascinating history of the real the real life guy or guys, however you want to mm-hmm. whatever your right. theory is on that. Uh but uh I just I just think it's uh I think it's one of those things that eventually there's gonna be somebody's gonna do something with this. I know there's supposed to be what, like a documentary or something, and uh you know, I I, I think mm-hmm. I think eventually this story is gonna be told one way or the other more in a in a more uh, a pretty big fashion because it's just it's just too cool of a story to not to just sit around in the periphery of pop culture right. and not get exploited basically.
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you mentioned wanting to find the, the issues yourself. Is this something that you would recommend to other people?
1: Oh yeah, I, I definitely would. I you know if you're if you're a fan of. Of 70s, I, I'm honestly, if you're a fan of 70s media, you know, like if you if you like the, the movies and the TV shows of this era or up and through the early 80s, I I, I think there's like we said, there's just a feel about this particular issue uh, that that just kind of touches that that vibe, that zeitgeist mm-hmm. of, <laughs> yeah. of late 70s, early 80s uh, common man against a common man against the man type uh, uh type story. And uh, I, I, it's it's very entertaining, and I think the series overall is, it, you know, it's anything by Bill Mantlo is worth reading, and the artwork's nice and and uh, very well done. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend this. There's there's no aliens, there's no uh, superpowers, even though he does have that weird Kirby crackle thing going on on the front, which nobody can figure out. But uh, mm-hmm. so, I, I think a non comic reader, if you handed them this, they could, especially if they were like around our age, they they'd, they'd right. be able to to get it and be entertained by it.
0: Thank you so much, Chris. And why don't you tell people where they can find you?
1: Oh, well, you can find me all over the network. Uh, My wife, Cindy and I host the JLU cast. We're recovering justice league unlimited. uh, And uh, we're, we're coming toward the end of season one. Uh, We'll take a, we're almost at the end of season one, but we'll take a little bit of a break before we, uh get to the finale of season one because we gotta as you mentioned earlier jump back over to our supermates podcast and do the house of Frankenstein, which is our yes. uh, halloween extravaganza that we do every year we we run it in september and october because we one month just isn't enough for halloween <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh we, we just love it so much so yeah that's what's going on there and yeah uh, you know i'm Pop up here and there on other shows, and uh, you need to think about Max. I know there's unfortunately no Plastic Man actual appearance on Justice League Unlimited, but you need to think of an episode you'd like to come on and talk about it with us if you if you're so inclined. So, oh, definitely,
0: <laughs> and definitely, yes. I Thank thanks, thanks again, Chris. We really, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about the the human fly. I
1: appreciate you having me on, and I am I appreciate uh, Bill Matlow for not making Kentuckians, you know, sound like a bunch of uh, hillbillies. So thank you, Bill
0: Matlow. We appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so with that, the Death Defying Human Flycast is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. If you'd like to subscribe or leave a comment for the Human Flycast, you can do that on our website at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at HumanFlyCast and on Instagram at FWP underscore Max. Be sure to follow and tag the network with hashtag FWPodcasts. The Death Defying Human Fly list, a playlist including all of the music featured in each episode so far, can be found on Spotify, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. If you'd like to support the Fire & Water Podcast Network even more, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com FWPodcasts, where you can make a one-time or monthly contribution and unlock various rewards, including getting name checked on this or any network show of your choice. Support the network, reap the rewards. And thanks again, High Fighters. And remember, the wildest superheroes are real. Come and listen, you fellows, so young and so fine. And seek not your fortune in the dark, dreary mine where the demons of death. Often come by surprise One fall of on the slate And you're buried alive Where it's dark as a dungeon And damp as the dew Where the danger is double And pleasures are few where the rain never falls And the sun never shines It's dark as a dungeon Way down in the mine. Look for the union label When you are buying A coat dress or balls Remember some